imagine losing your freedom not being able to go out where you want when you want with who you want and being told 24 7 what you can and can't do as well as other things that comes with being a prisoner people get beaten up people get treated badly you live in bad conditions just imagine losing your your independence and your dignity but then one day someone comes up to you and says oh I, I can give you your freedom back I will grant you your freedom in exchange for trying out this new experiment you'll do this new experiment for five days or 15 days or whatever and at the end of it you can have your freedom back would you do it Well, this is what happened to five prisoners in the Soviet Union in the 1940s. So in the 1940s, a group of researchers promised the freedom of five political prisoners if they took part in an experiment. And the experiment was to see if they could keep five people awake using an experimental gas. So they kept the five prisoners in a sealed environment to carefully monitor the oxygen intake and... The only communication that they had with the researchers were five-inch thick glass portals, um, so like little windows that you'd see in a submarine, and they had microphones to communicate. So the researchers never went into the room, and the five prisoners never came out of the room. But the researchers were feeling quite generous. Uh, They did stock the chambers with books, uh, so they had something to do, cots for them to sleep in, uh, whether they had mattresses or not is unknown, uh, but there they definitely weren't any bedding. And when it says cots, I should imagine everybody thinks they're a baby cot. Um, so maybe it was. Maybe they did put them in for the prisoners. Who knows? And they also did have some running water and a toilet that were usable, which is always a good thing, and enough dried food to last all five of them for a month. So these researchers, they wanted to test on these uh, five political prisoners who deemed enemies in the state during the World War II. So everything was fine for the first five days. Obviously, they'd just been put into this room and they were very, very excited at the fact that they were going to be granted the freedom once this experiment was over. And they'd got dried food, they'd got books to read, they'd got running water. So for for the first five days, everything was pretty fine. But then the prisoners started talking to each other and telling each other the traumatic incidents from each of the pasts. And the general tone of the conversation started to take a darker aspect. Obviously, people talk and you tell people about your past and people tell you about their past. But it was just the tone of the conversations just started getting darker and darker. Which to start with, they weren't concerned about because, as I said, people do talk about the past. So yeah, there were nothing to worry about for the first five days. But then the prisoners started complaining uh, about the circumstances and the events that led them to where they were now. And they started to demonstrate very severe paranoia, which is very understandable. One minute you're a prisoner, the next minute you've got a random research guy coming up to you saying oh i'll grant you your freedom if you come and do this experiment you're going to start thinking what but because you're that desperate for your freedom you're going to go through with it and then it got to the point where they stopped talking to each other and they started whispering into the microphones and putting the faces up to these little uh portals and whispering weird things into the microphone um which kind of freaked out the researchers which obviously would 
And each and every one of them started to think that they could win the trust of the researchers by turning over the other prisoners. But the researchers suspected that it was an effect from the gas that was being leaked into this confined space where these five prisoners are at. So then after nine days, one of them started screaming uncontrollably. They would not stop screaming. And he ran the length of the chamber, repeatedly yelling at the top of his lungs, for three hours straight. So he continued to scream and scream and scream to the point that he physically could not scream anymore. But he was still trying. He was still attempting to get these screams out. But they were just coming out as little squeaks. The researchers had decided that he'd torn his vocal cords, which when I said decided, they hadn't decided. It were obviously true that he had torn his vocal cords, which he would, screaming very, very loudly, uncontrollably for three hours is enough to put strain on anybody's vocal cords. But the most surprising thing about his behaviour is how the other prisoners reacted to it. Like, if you were, you were trapped in a room with four other people and one of them was screaming uncontrollably for three hours, you'd be pretty pissed off. You'd be annoyed. But the other prisoners just didn't react to it. They were not phased by it at all. They did not care. They did not take any notice, which is very, very odd. So then after that, that prisoner that had strained and torn his vocal cords, he obviously was still trying trying to scream, and all of these little squeaks were coming out. But then two more prisoners started screaming uncontrollably for god knows how long chances are they probably torn their vocal cords as well but the two non-screaming prisoners started acting strangely and they started ripping the books apart and smearing each page with their own feces and just started pasting them over the glass portals So over the windows, they were putting the faeces on these ripped pages and sticking them to the windows so the researchers couldn't look in. Obviously, there were nothing the researchers could do about this without them entering the the chamber and removing these sheets of paper. But then all of a sudden, the screaming stopped. Everything stopped. The researchers couldn't obviously couldn't see into the chamber because of these um, faeces smeared pages all over the window. But they could hear him because they've got microphones and the screaming had stopped. It had just come come to an end, just stopped. And that was it for three days. That was it for three days. There were nothing. There were no sounds. Obviously, they couldn't look in to the chamber. Um, but there were no sounds coming through the microphones. Um, the researchers actually thought that there was something wrong with the microphones. Maybe they were broken. Uh, so the researchers checked the microphones hourly to make sure they were working. And they were. They, they appeared to be working because they could hear breathing and stuff. So they appeared to be working, but just none of them were screaming anymore. None of them were talking. So this carried on for quite a few days. Um, there were no sign of life. So the researchers decided to do something that would get a reaction from the prisoners. And they used the intercom inside the chamber, hoping to provoke any response from the captives. But the researchers did have to bear in mind that there were a good chance that they were dead or they were very, very severely brain dead. So the researchers spoke for the microphone and announced that they were going to enter the chamber. So they turned the gas off and they were going to enter the chamber 
and the prisoners, if they were alive, had to step away from the door and lie flat on the floor or they would be shot. And to the researcher's surprise, they heard a single phrase in a calm voice and it said, we no longer want to be freed. So a debate broke out among the researchers and the military forces funding the research were unable to provoke any more response. They just got that we no longer want to be freed. There were nothing else. So they obviously felt a bit unnerved about it. So they left it at that. But then the day after, the researchers got together and they decided amongst themselves that they were going to enter the chamber. So the chamber was flushed of all the gas. There were nothing in there. It was just filled with fresh air. And immediately, voices started coming down the microphone. And there were three different voices. And they were begging and begging for the researchers to turn the gas back on. They could not cope that the researchers had turned the gas off and were filling the chamber with fresh air. They couldn't cope with it. They were that used to the to the gas that were being leaked into the chambers that they wanted it back on. They were screaming, they were begging, they were crying for him to turn the gas back on. Obviously, the researchers took no notice and they didn't turn the gas back on. Instead, they opened the chamber and the soldiers were sent in uh, to get the prisoners and to bring them back out. As the soldiers entered the chamber the prisoners started screaming louder even louder than they did when they were tearing their own vocal cords they were screaming at the top of their voices and the soldiers started screaming as well when they looked around and saw what was actually inside of the chambers so when the soldiers looked around they realized that four of the five prisoners were still alive although they did not look it and one had died. They also noticed that the food rations for the for the past five days had not been touched. They'd not been eaten, but there were chunks of meat on the floor. The researchers had not put meat in the chambers. It was just dried food, so like lentils and, and nuts or whatever. There were no meat, but then there were meat scattered all over the floor. And that's when the soldiers realised that the meat had come from the dead man's body. The other four prisoners had ripped him apart and they took meat from his thighs they took meat from his chest they took meat from his arms and they'd stuffed the drains with the dead prisoner blocking the drains and allowing four inches of water to rise in the chamber obviously the water on the floor didn't look like water it was blood um exactly how much blood was in there was never determined because it was a mixture of blood and water so obviously You could never tell how much blood or how much water was actually in there. But all four surviving prisoners had large portions of muscle and skin torn away from their own bodies. So not only had one died and the other four had decided to rip him apart, the four remaining prisoners also had skin and muscles ripped away from their own bodies to the point that you could actually see the bones The bones were exposed. The skin on the finger had been peeled back and the bones of the fingers were exposed. And when when the researchers had a proper look at the prisoners, it indicated that the wounds were actually inflicted by hand. So they'd ripped their own or ripped each other's skin and muscles away. And then on closer examination, it was actually indicated that most of them, if not all of them, were actually self-inflicted. So they were peeling their own muscles and their own skin away. And the abdominal 
organs below the rib cage of all four prisoners had been removed. So they'd ripped their own stomachs and their own liver. But the heart and the lungs and the diaphragms remained in place. But most of the muscles that were attached to the ribs had been ripped off, exposing the lungs through the rib cage. So anyway, all the blood vessels and the organs remained intact and they'd just been taken out and they were just laid on the floor. That is disgusting. And the digestive tract of all four could be seen working. And they were actually, it were actually digesting food. So it quickly became apparent that they were digesting with their own flesh and that they had ripped their own flesh off and eaten it. Not even eating other, not even eating each other. They're eating themselves. Like seriously, if anybody knows, if anybody's heard this story before, and anybody knows what kind of gas they were putting in to that chamber, please let me know. But I'm just very, very curious as to what is that gas that has made five people do this. So anyway, these five prisoners, obviously, uh, four prisoners, sorry, because one died, uh, that were being examined by the soldiers. They started fighting back uh, and one Russian soldier actually died from having his throat ripped out um, and, and five others were were very badly injured. Um, so these prisoners were actually fighting back. They didn't want to be out of the chamber. They, wanted, they were begging and pleading to go back into the chamber and have the gas turned back on. So in a struggle, one of the four remaining prisoners, his spleen had ruptured and he started bleeding out almost immediately. So the medical researchers attempted to sedate him, but it proved impossible. Uh, it was injected with more than 10 times the human dose of morphine and is still fought like a cornered animal. Uh, and it broke the ribs and an arm of one of the doctors that were trying to sedate him. So anyway, you could see his heart and they could see that it was beating a full two minutes after he bled out to the point that there were more air in his vascular system than blood. Even after it had stopped, he continued to scream and flail for another three minutes, struggling to attack anyone in reach and just repeating the word more over and over again until he got weaker and weaker. And then finally, he fell silent. So he did eventually die. So anyway, the surviving three prisoners, they were heavily restrained and moved to a medical facility. The two with intact vocal cords were continuously begging to go back into the chamber with the gas leaking in so they could be kept wide awake. And the most injured of the three was taken to the only surgical operating room that the facility had. And in the process of preparing for the prisoner's operation, he was going to have his organs placed back within his body. It was found that he was effectively immune to the sedative that they'd given him. So it just just wasn't working. And he fought furiously against his restraints when the anaesthetic gas was brought out so they could put him under. And he managed to tear most of his way through a four-inch wide leather strap on one of his wrists, even though the weight of a 200-pound soldier was holding his wrist as well. So this gas sounds like it gives you superhuman strength. So it took a little more anaesthetic than normal to put him under, and the instant his eyelids started to flutter, his heart stopped. Um, so he actually passed away. And in the autopsy, the tests came back that his blood had tripled the normal level of oxygen. And his muscles that were still attached to his skeleton were badly torn. Bear in mind he'd done all that himself. He'd ripped and torn his own muscles. 
and he had broken nine bones in his struggle to not be sedated. So yeah, the second survivor, he had been the first of the group to start screaming. So this one, who is the second survivor, he is the one that torn his vocal cords by screaming continuously for three hours straight. His vocal cords were destroyed and the researchers wanted to do surgery on him to see if they can repair it. And the prisoner just laid on bed and just was shaking his head, like, violently, in disapproval, when the anaesthetic gas was brought near him. So because he was refusing to have the anaesthetic, the researchers actually decided to go along with the surgery without the anaesthetic. And they did. The procedure took six hours, so they repaired his vocal cords. It took six hours and he didn't have any anaesthetic. He was alive, he had his eyes open, he was awake, he was breathing while they was doing this, and he did not flinch one bit. They'd also tried to cover up his remaining organs with the remainder of his skin. So obviously the surgeon was saying it's, it's medically impossible for the, per, for the patient to still be alive. And one terrified nurse that were assisting the surgery stated that she had seen the patient's mouth curl into a smile several times. Whenever his eyes met hers, he smiled. So he must have been enjoying it. So when the surgery had ended, the prisoner looked at the surgeon and he started to wheeze loudly. He were trying to talk, he were attempting to talk, um, but he was struggling. Obviously he was struggling. So the surgeon decided to get a pen and paper and asked the patient the prisoner to write down what he was trying to say and he wrote on a piece of paper and he he wrote two words and those words were keep cutting so he obviously enjoyed it and he obviously wanted more so that was that. They, they pushed him to one side, they'd done his surgery and they decided to do the exact same surgery on the last remaining prisoner. He also didn't have anaesthetic, although he did have to be injected with something that calmed him down because the surgeon found it impossible to do the operation while while the prisoner was laughing uncontrollably. So anyway, this thing that they injected him, we made him paralysed so the surgeon could do his job without being distracted from a giggling patient. Uh, so once paralysed, he could only look at people with his eyes. That's the only thing that he could move were his eyeballs. But the injection that they gave him that made him paralysed didn't last long. So before long, he could speak. So the researchers asked them, why, why? Why have you ripped your own gut out? Like, what, what made you do that? And the researcher that asked this question got a response from one of the prisoners. And the only thing he said was, I must remain awake. So the prisoners that were remaining, they were put back into the chamber as they were begging and pleading and screaming to go back into the chamber and have the gas turned back on. So the researchers decided to go along with it and they put him back in the chamber. But they didn't turn the gas on. They they weren't sure what to do. So they were just happy enough that they put these prisoners back in the chamber and then they got together and decided what they were going to do with them. So one commanding officer, he wanted to put the gas back on just so he could see what would happen, what they would do and what would happen to the prisoners. So obviously everybody else went along with it. 
and they turned the gas back on. So when these researchers announced to the remaining prisoners that they were turning the gas back on, the prisoners all of a sudden became very calm and they stopped struggling. It it was obvious at this point that they were all putting up a great struggle to stay awake. They didn't want to fall asleep. They needed to stay awake. So they were very, very calm at the fact that the gas was being put back on. So one of the subjects that could speak, he was humming loudly and continuously. And the other one that couldn't speak, he was straining his legs against the leather bonds with all his might. First left and then right, then left and then right, just for something to focus on. This was just while they were waiting for the gas to be turned back on. They knew it was coming back on, but they just didn't know when. So they were doing everything they can to focus on something so they didn't fall asleep. And the other one that was still alive, he was holding his head on the pillow and he was blinking rapidly. And he was the first one to be wired up for the EEG, which monitors your brainwaves. But most of the time his brainwaves were normal. But then sometimes they'd flatlined, which showed that he was suffering from brain death. But then they'd go back to normal and then they'd flatline again. So one minute he were brain dead, next minute he weren't. So anyway, as the researchers focused on the paper that were coming out of the brainwave monitor machine, one of the nurses saw his eyes shut. uh, And at that moment, his head flopped back and it hit the pillar. And that was it. His brainwaves had stopped. He had fallen asleep, which caused him to die. So the one that were left, he was screaming and screaming for the gas to be turned back on. So the commander gave the order to actually seal the chamber shut and to put the gas back on. But as the commander had commanded to seal the chamber, they'd locked in three researchers as well as the remaining prisoner. So obviously the researchers were absolutely petrified. So one of them pulled out a gun and he shot the other soldiers and then turned the gun on the prisoner. So it looks like they were wanting to kill everybody and himself. So as he pointed his gun at the remaining prisoner, the soldier started screaming and started demanding questions from the prisoner. He was asking, who are you? What What are you? I must know. So the, the prisoner turned round and he smiled and he said to the soldier, have you forgotten so easily? We are you. We are the madness that lurks within you, begging to be free at every moment in your deepest animal mind. We are what you hide from in your beds every night and we and we are what you sedate into silence and paralysis when you go into the nocturnal haven where we cannot tread. So the researcher paused and he lifted his gun higher to the prisoner's head and the prisoner just turned around and looked at him and said, So nearly free. So that is the story of the Russian sleep experiment. How creepy was that? Like I've, I, I knew of the Russian sleep experiment. And even now I'm still a little bit like, what? I'm still confused. But anyway, those that are cre- questioning the Russian sleep experiment and asking, is it really a true story? Is it true? Can a human physically rip their own muscles and peel their own skin back with the bare hands is it true well i'm actually very very pleased to tell you that it's not true that it is from 
a anonymous person. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Creepypasta. If you're a very big horror fan like myself, then you will have heard of Creepypasta. And this story was actually posted to the Creepypasta website anonymously in 2010. Even though it's fake, it, weird experiments did actually happen uh, a long, long time ago. People did do weird experiments to see how things worked on people. I know they experimented on twins, siblings, old people. They did all these different experiments, which I will be talking about. And I will be telling you the actual true stories of some of these experiments. This, however, is not true. But it makes an absolutely fantastic story, especially if you like to be creeped out like I do. And all all you horror-loving fans will absolutely love this because it is so creepy. And I'm very sorry to disappoint and tell you that it is actually fake. It is not a true story. But still, absolutely fantastic read. So that's it for episode three of All Things Dark and Horrorful. Join me next time where I'll be telling you some more creepy, mysterious, terrifying stories that may shake you to the very core.